Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we've been going through the letter to the Philippians, and we've been focusing on really the whole issue of getting beneath the surface. And we've talked about what being on the surface is. That's where a lot of folks in the church are today. It's kind of like Christianity is nothing more than the one hour of church on Sunday morning or the moment or two that you pray before a meal or a few moments that you pray on your own. But then the rest of your life is kind of like whatever. And so you never really go deeper in your Christian walk. And so we've been talking about living beneath the surface, moving beneath the surface. So last week, we started off in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and we saw four realities, four implied realities that you and I need to grasp And with those four implied realities, he gave us four things to work on. And you listened last week, and maybe you would made some decisions. Okay, I'm going to live on those realities. I'm going to do those things that Paul is talking about here in the letter. But you thought about that last week, but as you went through the week, it wasn't that easy, was it? In fact, it was pretty difficult. In fact, you found it to be a struggle. And that's what it is. It's a lot of times a Christian life is a struggle, trying to do what God calls you to do. And a lot of times, you and I have these thoughts that happen in our minds. I'm going to talk about two points from the struggle that we have. The first one is this. We feel we have to figure out how to do what God calls us to do. We feel that we have to figure out how to do what God calls us to do. It's like, okay, God, I know you told me to do this, but... Now it's me trying to figure it out. And so we get defeated by that because a lot of us, we don't really know what that means. So like, for instance, let's look. Look together at Philippians. Look at what he says there, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That sounds good, George, but how do I do that? Seems pretty simplistic. I'm trying, and and we wrestle with, because it's like, okay, God, you're telling me to do this, but i got to figure it out on my own. And that's a lot of times the struggles in our in our walk is when God communicates something to us, we often think he's kind of like, tell us, go do this, and it's move a mountain, but he hadn't told you how to do it. And so we struggle with trying to figure it out on our own. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We struggle with the thought of putting others before ourselves. Because the two things that he told us last week of the four was, is that we need to quit being selfish and we need to think of others as we're thinking about ourselves. And so that, my friends, is a huge struggle because I can already hear, because I've said it myself, well, if I kind of look out for other people, If I put them before myself, who's going to think about me? If I come to church and it's not about me, George, and it's about coming and serving others, who's going to serve me? Those are natural questions. Who's going to look out for me? I understand what Jesus wants me to do. I understand the struggle there. 
And, and, and I, I, I'm trying to figure that out, but I keep coming back to this one question. Okay, I'm supposed to think about others and put others before myself, but who's going to worry about me? That's a natural human question, isn't it? And we all struggle with it. Now, here's what I want to tell you, because I want to open your mind a little bit to the reality of God and his care for you. So here's the point. If you want to write this down, you can When God tells you to do something in his word, when he gives you a command, he always will tell you how to do it. When God tells you, this is what I want you to do, focus on this, he's not going to leave you to figure it out on your own because the fact of the matter is he knows us. He knows our bent. We're always bent towards selfishness, right? Is anybody here not selfish? Could you please identify yourself so we can laugh with you? We're all selfish, right? We're selfish when we think we're not selfish. The most extreme example of selfishness is Christmas. What do you mean? Oh, here's your gift. What did you give me? We give gifts anticipating what we're getting, right? So the reality is is that when God calls you to do something... He always tells you how to do it. So look again with me at verses 3 and 4, because when you look at that, it sounds good, but how do I do it? Look with me, 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Wow, that's wonderful, George. I like to do that, but I don't know how to do it. Or I like to do that, but who's going to take care of me? Remember what I just told you. I had you write it down. When God calls us to do something, he tells us how to do it. So now we come to verses 5 through 11, where he tells you how to do it. So look with me. We're going to look at these verses together. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look, first of all, the key to the action. He's calling us to do these things, verse 3 and 4. How we're able to do it is by what verse 5 tells us. That's the key to the action. And then we're going to see that Jesus is our example. And see, what we need to do is, is when he calls us to do these things, well, let's look what the key to the action is. You'll see what I'm saying. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. First thing I want you to see here. We're called to develop a new mindset. We're called to develop a new mindset. You and I need to change the way that we think about things. So when we look at verses 3 and 4, because our natural bent is selfishness, we're going to naturally ask, well, who's going to think about me? That comes from our old mindset. And what he's saying to us is, is, look, you need to let the mind of Christ be in you. You need to have a new way of thinking. Because here's the thing. 
And this is true with no matter what your struggle is. If you're trying to overcome something in your life, a lot of times you have to change the way you think first before you can change your action. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to change the way you think first before you can change your action. So for instance, if you're struggling with an addiction issue, a lot of times you've got to change the way you think. Because unless the thinking changes, the actions aren't going to follow. Yes, you can change the actions for a moment. Have you ever seen people who do that? They'll change for the moment, but they always, what, revert back to the other behavior? Well, I thought they changed. No, they're back doing the same things. Why didn't they change? Well, they may have changed the outward for a moment, but the inward wasn't changed. The heart wasn't changed. The mind wasn't changed. They were still thinking the same way, but for some reason they felt like they had to do the change of their actions until they couldn't handle it anymore, and they've reverted back. You've got to change the way you think. If you're going to do what God wants you to do, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to develop a new mindset. A new mindset. Here's the second thing I want you to see. New mindset, a new way of thinking. Number two, we have to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. You have to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. If you're going to change the way you are and be what God wants you to be, the way that you change is by developing a new mindset. But where do I get that new mindset from? That new mindset is taking on the mindset that Jesus Christ has for you and watch your behavior will start to change. In fact, while I'm speaking to you right now, two verses of scripture come to my mind. Hold your hand in Philippians. I want you to go back to Romans chapter 12. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Here it is, first one. He's going to tell you what you and I need to do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So what is he saying there? Give your life to God. Present yourself. Here, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Now, you, okay, stop. Everybody says, yeah, that's what I want to do, but how do we do that? Have I got to figure that one out on my own? No. Look at verse 2. Remember, I told you, he'll always tell you what you need to do. Look at verse 2. He says, verse 2, And do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's what I want you to notice. Notice a couple things here. He's saying, don't conform your life to the way the culture is going. The culture is anti-God. The culture is going in its own direction. The culture is selfish. It's moving away from God. It's moving away from Jesus. It denies God. Don't be conformed to that. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. But you be transformed. Same word that we get metamorphosis from, which is the same thing that we see happening with the monarch butterfly, right? Little worm goes into a chrysalis, becomes that beautiful butterfly. That's what happens. It transforms from the inside out. But how does that transformation take place? Look at what it says there. It's a change of thinking. Look at what it says. The renewing of your what? Mind. Now, how do I renew my mind? Well, other places in the New Testament tell us that we renew our mind through God's word internalizing God's word. And once we renew our minds, look at what we can do. 
we can then prove what is the good and acceptable and what? Perfect will of God. Now, how many of you want to know God's will for your life? You want to know what God's will for your life is? Yeah. How do we figure that out? Spend time with him, have him change your mind through his word. See, this is what we're talking about here. We have to have the same mindset as Jesus. Now, how can I do that? Read his word. You want to know how Jesus thinks about something? Read the Gospels. You want to know how Jesus feels about something? Read the Gospels. You want to know how Jesus acted in certain situations? Read the Gospels. You want to know what God calls us to? Read the Bible. Then you can know, and and you begin to develop a new mindset. And so that's what he's talking about here. Look, I'm telling you, don't be, verses 3 and 4, don't be selfish. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Put the needs of others before your own. You're looking at that and saying, that's wonderful, but how do I do it? Here's what he's saying. Change the way you think. First thing you do is change the way you think and have the same mindset as Jesus. Now, here's what Paul does in verses 6 through 11 He's going to tell you that mindset of Jesus, and you need to be thankful for it, because if he wasn't, if Jesus didn't do these things, we'd have no hope. So I want you to notice with me, Jesus Christ, our example. Look with me, first thing, look with me at verse 6. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus did not hesitate to set aside the glory of his position as deity. What's he saying here? Jesus is God. It's not, he's not assuming any kind of position that's not his when, when we looked at him and see that he's like God, but he set that aside for you. Now, listen to a moment. One of the biggest struggles we have with doing what God wants us to do is this. Put the needs of others before ourselves. Well, who's going to take care of me? I only got so many minutes in a day, so many hours in a day, George, and I've already got a busy schedule. How many of you got a busy schedule? You got a busy schedule? How many of you like interruptions? Oh, nobody's raising their hand. We don't like interruptions, do we? And we don't like interruptions from people who need us for something. I'm so, I'm so done with people needing me. That's the things we say, don't we? Or think. And here's the problem. Jesus, look, if anybody could say that, God could. Oh, I'm being inundated with millions of people all the time asking me for stuff. That's not his attitude. In fact, I was overwhelmed this week. I'm reading a book on hearing the voice of God, and the writer was saying about, think about it for a moment, God knows everything, hears everyone, and he pays particular attention to you when you talk to him. Isn't that amazing? With all the stuff that's going on in the world, with the seven billion people in the world, and, and people are interacting, whatever their concept of God is and everything, and he's aware of everything. He's taking particular attention when you talk to him because he loves you. See, this is the mindset of Christ. God doesn't hesitate to set aside his glory for us. He doesn't hesitate. There's no hesitation on his part. Look at the next verse, verse 7. Brings up the next point I want you to see about Jesus. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus humbled himself by becoming like us. That's what verse 7 is talking about here. He humbled himself. Think about this. God in all of his glory on the throne in heaven, the creator, he exists outside of time, spoke everything into existence, 
I mean, he's it. Lays that all aside, comes in the form of a baby. Not just any baby, but a baby of a poor family. Grows up in a poor situation, hangs out with poor people. He becomes like us. Do you know know what I'm saying? If anybody could say, hey, I'm it, everybody else is beneath me, it's Jesus. But he laid that all aside to become like us. He put himself, listen to me, he put himself in our position. All right, now that brings up a good thing. Just those first two things here. Just thinking about the mindset of Jesus. He wasn't put out by our plight. You think about it. When somebody needs you and you've got to set aside your agenda, we're often put out. Like, I ain't got time for this. We even tell God, God, I know you want me to do something, but I don't have time for this, Lord. He's not put out. If he wants us to have the same mindset, we follow his example, we shouldn't be put out when people around us need us or if there's something we can do about it. Here's the second thing. He put himself in our position. I think that brings up a point. Don't you think you and I sometimes need to stop for a moment, get out of our self-focus and allow ourselves to be thinking about where that person is who needs us, what position they're in. Put ourselves in their position. Do you understand? That's what God was doing here. That's what Jesus was doing. Put yourself in their position. You know what I'm saying? I'll be honest with you. I hear Christians all the time. It irritates me. What irritates you, George? Well, there's a program for them. They can get help from that program. Really? Do you get help from the program? Chances are you don't because you think you can do it on your own. Chances are they struggle with pride too and don't want to get help from the program. They just don't know what to do. Put yourself in their position before you make statements. It's not that easy. Life is not that easy. Rhetoric is one thing. Life is another thing. And if you're going to do what God calls you to do, he's saying, have the same mindset as Jesus. What does that mean? It's not about you. Put yourself in their position. Here's the third thing we see about Jesus from this passage. And this is where you and I need to be thankful. Look with me at verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Here's what I want you to see. In that humility, Jesus willingly went to the cross for us. I can't even, I, I, I tell you what, I am so thankful for my salvation. I am so thankful that Jesus saved me back in 1985, a kid going to the University of South Carolina, studying engineering. And I look back on that now and I'm like, why? Why did you do that, Lord? Because you didn't have to. I didn't deserve it. And when I read passages like this, when it talks about the mindset of Jesus, that he willingly went through the cross for me, for me, me. I know what I'm like. I know my issues. It's the same thing for you. You know your issues. It's grace. It's just pure grace, isn't it? What can I learn from that? There's a lot to learn from that he didn't hesitate to do what it took for us. Do you understand? We've got to learn not to hesitate when it comes to being like Jesus in the lives of other people. And let's just stop for a moment. A lot of times what God's asking us to do for other people isn't going to a cross, right? He's not asking you to be executed. Now, you might think, oh, Lord, I don't have any time. It's like dying. No, it's not. You've got to do what he's asking you to do. 
So he's giving you the example to follow. And then here's the final point. This is where it'll blow your mind. Remember what I told you when we wrestle with this, we always think, well, who's going to take care of me? If I'm focused on other people, who's going to take care of me? You know, I've got needs too. Look at what it says about Jesus. This this blows my mind. And this is the encouragement for you. Verse 9, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of those on heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Here's what I want you to see. Here's that final thing. Because of his humility and his obedience, Jesus was exalted above all. God took care of him. You know what I'm saying? He laid aside the glories of heaven, became just like us, put himself in our position, went to the cross to die for us. I mean, you talk about humility, you talk about selflessness. And you know what God did? God says, I'm taking care of you. And he exalted him to a higher position. You know what the scripture says? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do you understand what I'm saying? You sit there and you say, well, I don't know who's going to take care of me. I'm going to tell you something. If you do what God calls you to do, if you live your life the way he calls you to live your life, if you get beneath the surface, surface Christianity is only focused on one thing, me and what I can get out of it. But if you start living beneath the surface and doing what Jesus seriously calls you to do, and that is is you're going to live your life, not selfishly, but you're going to live and put, just as you take care of yourself, you're going to take care of those around you. You don't need to ask yourself that question, who's going to take care of me? Because he will. God will take care of you. God will make sure that you're all right. Why? Because hopefully you're in a group of people around you that are living the same way you are, and there'll be others that God will use to minister to you in the midst of your need. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'll give you an example. You know, I'm George, all right? I'm your pastor. And I, one of the things I tell you is, is man, let me know if there's something going on and if there's a need, because I'll be there. I'll drop what I'm doing. I'll be there at the hospital. But I got to know you're there. So pick up the phone, send me a text, and I'll be there. So George does that all the time. I've done that for 16 years here. But you know, sometimes there are times when, you know, Lori and I are human beings, and we have a human family, and sometimes there are, need, there are needs in our lives. I'll tell you what speaks to me this week. My mother-in-law, whom I love very dearly, who is the mother of my wife, grandmother to my children, faces a traumatic thing, reality. She's got to have open-heart surgery. You want to spoke to me? A text message. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do for you? How are you doing? You say, George, I didn't know that was going on. I understand some of you didn't know, but some of you did. And, and it was overwhelming to me, people who were wanting to, let me know if I can do anything. That is what we're talking about here. That's living beneath the surface. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? 
Because it'd be real easy for a preacher to say, well, you know, Lord, I'm taking care of all these people. Who's taking care of me? No, George, you're in a church where people do take care of you. Do care. Do pray. Do send messages. That's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? See, you've got to make the decision. Am I going to do what Jesus calls me to do? And if you do what he calls you to do, you've got to change your mindset. You allow him to change your mindset and you become like him and you do what he is calling you to do. See, here's the thing. God just doesn't tell you what to do and doesn't tell you how to do it. He tells you how to do it. In fact, he even gives you encouragement. If you do like my son Jesus, I'm going to exalt you. In fact, that's a lot of passages in the New Testament that talk about what? That we're going to rule with him. You know, as he's exalted in that high place, guess who he has with him? You and I. Isn't that wonderful? Here's two things I want you to think about. Number one, there has to be a change concerning how we think about living for God. You've got to change your mind. If you want to get beneath the surface, if you want your... Because remember I told you, when you live on the surface of Christianity, it's just flat out boring. Oh, you know, hey, I enjoyed that presentation today from Daniel and man the band. I really enjoyed the music. And George, hopefully, oh, that, I don't know. But it was okay today. But, you know, after a while, if you're just living on the surface, it's boring. Because guess what? We're getting ready to move into the NFL. We already are into the NFL season. And it's a good thing they don't schedule a game at 10, right? Won't you listen to me? If you're living on the surface and it's just one hour a week and you're not getting any deeper in your Christian life, of course there's going to be something more interesting to do. Oh, the elk are bugling in Benazet. Let's go there. You know, it only happens so often. You will find something else to do. But look, if you're serious about going deeper with Jesus, because listen, Christianity, the Christian life, is more than just the hour on Sunday. This is not it. This is just a blip in what it is. The relationship with God is so much more, but you've got to choose to want to have it. And you've got to choose to get beneath the surface of it. But you've got to make that decision. You've got to change the way you think about living for God. See, the issue isn't God. God's just waiting to blow your mind. You know, he's blown my mind so many times this month. Has he blown your mind? He's waiting. He's waiting to blow your mind. But you've got to actually want to seek him to blow your mind. So there has to be a change concerning the way we think about living our Christian life, living for God. So here's the thing. As you help others, take the chance and trust God to take care of you. See, that's what's holding some of you back from doing what God's calling you to do. Who's going to take care of me? Take the chance. As you help others, if you do what God's calling you to do, as you help others, take the chance and let him 
take care of you. And you'll be shocked. You'll be surprised. Take the chance. 